I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by USAA Auto Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions. Thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage is not one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how much you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. Everything's better on a bigger screen, right? I mean, I remember seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark on a big screen and feeling like my life had just changed. People felt that way about Oppenheimer recently. Sometimes you need to see stuff on the big screen. That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system with Google Maps Assistant and more right there. You can really see what's up ahead, and you don't even need to connect your phone. Find your new adventure with a Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue Pathfinder and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Very rarely do we dip outside the Ringer universe, but this guy, Kyle Brandt, He's been on some classics. We've hit some big action heroes. And now the muscles from Brussels. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sudden death. It's next. 17,000 hockey fans have been taken hostage. Enough bombs have been planted in this building to stop all the clocks in the atmosphere. But only one of them knows it. I'm going to try to stop you. I know where the bombs are. I know where you're going. Then come and get me. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sudden death. All right, Kyle Brand is here. Um, you're wearing a Van Damme kind of shirt. You're wearing a Penguins. Yep. It's it's a little tight. You look strong like Van Damme. Uh, we've talked about Seagal. We've done Stallone multiple times. We've done yep. Arnold. We've not dipped into the Van Damme universe. I texted you. We were That's talking great. about possible ideas. I was like, hey. What about what about the muscles from Brussels? You were in. Uh, just walk us through your Van Damme emotions. Well, first of all, Bill, I'm surprised to be here. I thought for sure Fennessy would have called dibs on sudden death. I, I, I thought that would be <laughs> <laughs> that's wheelhouse for our boy. So I'm thrilled to be here, um, <laughs> and I'm thrilled not only that, Bill. There's a lot of ways we could have gone with Van Damme. I know you guys have done blood sport, and there's some other things just hanging out there. But the sudden death part of Van Damme is like something that, you know, something you and I were texting about. This Van Damme movie is something that I think you need to watch like every five years just to remind yourself that this did happen. This wasn't a dream I had. It's not a joke that I made up with my friends. It wasn't funny or die. There's a real thing that happened in this movie and it's all beautiful. I loved it. I enjoyed the rewatch. It's a little long. The first 30 <laughs> minutes maybe could be done in 18, but yeah. once we get going, it really gets going. And it's the end of this, you know, diehard legacy where it's just diehard comes out in 1988 and then it just gets ripped off in every conceivable location. And we've done a few of them, uh, probably done the best with under siege and mm -hmm. speed. Mm -hmm. I would say a speed. I mean, they just basically die hard on a bus and that movie um, basically created the modern summer blockbuster. 
we're we're running on fumes by the time we get to 95 and uh and the producers of this movie were just like let's not even let's not even pretend we're not trying to rip off some of the classics they have it's this is basically die hard cross with cliffhanger at game 7 of the Stanley Cup finals right that's that's the fairest way to say it yeah i think it's exactly it and i think you're, you're you use the phrase dial up they're like we could just have it in a hockey game that's pretty cool no, fuck that. Stanley Cup Finals. No, no, no. Game seven. All right, we got our movie. Hold the fuck on. The vice president's in the building, too. And hold on. His kids are there. It's Everything's turned up to a thousand, Bill. And it's a movie that it flirts so hard with being a spoof and probably should be a spoof, but refuses to be. It's still earnest. And goddamn, I respect it. It started out as a spoof. It started out as a parody of these action movies and then somehow morphed into a real action movie. But the spoof stuff is in there. No, oh, yeah. Um, he goes in the goal. It was, trust me, in 1995, it was unbelievable. It was a talking point. It was things you discussed with your buddies for the next couple of years when it started to go on cable. It's still amazing. It's still, and I can't believe this happened. They float it a little bit in the first half hour. Like, yeah, I played some semi-pro. One line. Little semi-pro in Canada. Right. So in Canada, by the way, he's he's, he's Belgian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how he ended up in Canada. I don't know how he ended up as a goalie. But so at least they, it's not like he's just a pedestrian pulled out of the stands. But it is game seven. He is playing with the best players in the world in the highest stakes possible hockey game. He's had no warm up. Probably hasn't played goal in ten years, and uh, and makes an incredible save. And it's you know it's spoiler alert. It's going to be the most rewatchable scene. It's an incredible sequence. One of the crazy things about this movie is there's a hockey game going on the entire time, and they're invested in telling us it's two two. This team's now on a power play. Like they keep going back to it. It's simultaneously happening to this basically diehard thing. Um, one of the most famous hockey games ever filmed, I'm guessing. Oh, without a doubt. And with one of the most famous hockey scenes, I think we have to, one of the most mind boggling things for me is that there was a time in the mid nineties when the NHL was like, you're going to strap bombs to our stadium and use two of our bedrock franchises and make a movie. Sure. Go right ahead. Can you imagine <laughs> if we did the football sudden death and they yeah. went to Tagliabue and said, here's what we're thinking. We're going to go to Lambeau, maybe Arrowhead, and there's terrorists and the vice president's there and everybody's getting shot. Give us, oh, I don't know, the Raiders and the Chiefs. And are you guys cool with that? They're like, absolutely. And kill a bunch of people. We love it. Go have it. It's insane that that happened. Yeah. Are, we have a little girl dangling from the, from <laughs> the roof at the end. Yeah, we're going to have that in there too. There was a movie in the mid-70s that uh, Robert Shaw from Jaws was in, where it was terrorists trying to blow up the Super Bowl. It was Black and Sunday? I'm, Black Sunday. Yeah. And if you watch that movie, I was on Pluto, and I was flipping channels on Pluto at 1.30 in the morning, which I'm prone to do. And I watched the last half hour of it, and it's, it, it's, a, it's like this movie, but even crazier, because you're kind of like, why did the NFL want this? So football is pretty big in the mid seventies. That's not like hockey. I can see it. And the owner of the penguins was involved in producing and like, they, I, I can see the path to how this happened, even though it's yeah. crazy though, but the, the NFL signing off on anything, much less that is, is bonkers. I know. And I, I would even think, think about this bill a couple of years. In fact, the next year after sudden death, we're at Jerry Maguire and the NFL wouldn't even do that now because of Tidwell's injury at the end. And they're like trying to wake him up and clapping in his face. They wouldn't even do that. And yet I feel like if you went to Gary Bettman right now or like 
Let's do it again. Let's run it back. Give us this time, you know, the Bruins and the Coyotes. He's like, fuck it. Do it. We'll take anything. <laughs> well, we have we have a lot about the mechanics to cover when we get to the categories. Okay. Um, look, we got to talk about Van Dam. So yeah. Bud Sporty hits. First of all, he's he's the predator and predator gets fired. Yes. So his big break doesn't happen. He used to be this kickboxing champion in the late 70s and early 80s. Then he moves to LA, tries to become an actor. One of the problems is can't act. So mm -hmm. they got to they figure out that piece. Um, but then we have the testosterone era happens. Everyone's looking for new action stars. We did we did the whole Steven Seagal journey when we talked about yeah. Hard, to, Hard kill. to Kill. Like they're just... That was, he was, uh, what was it? Mike Ovitz's jujitsu instructor or something. And he's yeah, like, yeah. you should be in a movie. So he ends right. up in movies. So the, the path for Van Damme in the eighties, everyone's on cocaine. It's reasonable for whatever reason that somebody's going to throw him in a lead of movie, but Bloodsport does well. He's basically playing himself. Yeah, He's going, he's dudes. doing the Kumite, a lot of fight scenes, some bad acting. It's the, the total Van Damme package. But then he rips off over the next seven years, Cyborg, Kickboxer, Lionheart, Death Warrant, Double Impact, Universal Soldier, Nowhere to Run, Hard Target, Street Fighter, Sudden Death. He makes 11 movies in like six and a half years. And they did pretty well. They used to refer to them in back in the day, but you remember as like martial arts sensation, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's always how they phrased it. And I actually think Sudden Death is almost a little melancholy for me as a Van Damme fan. Because the, the run is almost over. We yeah. When we're at sudden death, he had just come off Street Fighter, which was an unmitigated disaster in which Raul Julia was actually dying on set and he passed away as his last movie. You do this. And then after this, it's this bad movie called The Quest. And then it's double team with Dennis Robin, who I don't know anybody actually likes that movie. It was just more of a novelty. And then him in theaters as a leading man is over and it still hasn't been back. It's over. There was some off the field issues yeah. Shall we say? Um, yeah. I didn't actually know about this, and I, I don't know why I didn't realize this was the case, but develops a huge cocaine habit in the mid 90s. Yeah. He's talked about and it a lot. Yeah. He spends $10,000 a week on Coke. He's doing up to 10 grams per day by 1996. I've never done cocaine. I've never, I don't even think been in the I same room either. with it. I have no idea how big 10 grams a day is, but that seems like a lot. 10 grams sounds like a lot of cocaine. Um, if anybody wants to see what I, I happen to think is the exhibit A of his cocaine use, I'm just guessing here. YouTube uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme on Arsenio, and it is batshit. He is wearing a denim vest with no shirt underneath and high-waisted jeans. And like, if someone were to dress like they were on cocaine, that was what they would wear. So I'm guessing that's probably part of it. Married four times. I watched this Ow. Letterman thing. <laughs> Letterman just instantly doesn't like him. And they're just sparring okay. for the first sure. three minutes of the of the interview. And that's where he's like, are you married? He's like, why are you asking? And it turns out he tells Letterman he's been married four times. He was married four five times to four different women. So he went back mm. and did the remarry, which I always think oh, is did. aggressive. Like yeah. you and CR on heat. That's how he handled his marriages. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the reheat, the remarriage. Um, and uh, and then in 1998, and he's talked about this too, he was diagnosed as bipolar. A as all of this was happening, we had Seagal on, you know, kind of over here as like just this legendary asshole slash douchebag, but still successful for a couple of years. And then you had Van, da Van, Van Damme as, uh, as the wild card. Yes. As just dialing it up and like, how much of this is shtick? How much is this real? He can't possibly be like this, right? 
It turns out he was. He was mm-hmm. possibly like this. It's, it, there was no blur of who he was in the movies, how bombastic he asked, acted in interviews. He really just seems like he was, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of a douche. And I think once the cocaine started, it backfired on him. Yeah, and there was, listen, there was a celebrity relationship in there with Kylie Minogue, who was mm. his co-star in Street Fighter, and he had a thing with her. But I, I mean, I'm glad you brought up our guy Seagal, because these two are, are inexorably linked, as they say. And it's just like, it's interesting to look at the projects. If Seagal had done this, if, if Van Damme had done his. And there's something that comes up in this movie. I've always respected this about Van Damme, and it's so different from Seagal. Van Damme in movies, Bill, is willing and there to get the absolute shit kicked out of him really right. badly. He's always spitting and bleeding and uh, even including against a mascot in this movie. Whereas Seagal, if you looked at something in the fight scenes for like Out for Justice, he doesn't have a scratch on him. And I feel like it just stinks of ego. I always respected that Van Damme would get the shit kicked out of him before he made the comeback. That's a really great point. Seag- and and I think he was a much better fighter than Seagal. Yeah. And that yeah. was probably why he's he knows like he's so confident in whatever his skills were. He's like, fine, let this mascot kick my ass because in real life, I you know kill kill the mascot in two seconds. Right. So speaking of those two, there's a 2008 interview with Sly Stallone with the British magazine FHM. Okay, sure. A description. At a party in my home in Miami in 1997. Van Damme was tired of Steven Seagal claiming he could kick his ass. So we offered Seagal outside into my backyard. And then according to Seagal, uh, according to Stallone, Seagal made uh, a bunch of excuses and left. Van Damme followed him to a nightclub and challenged him again. And Stallone's summary of it was, Van Damme was too strong. Seagal wanted none of it. You'll hear more in the full, we're launching a new Ringer podcast about almost fights between famous action stars. But um, but yeah, so apparently Seagal didn't want the smoke, Of course Kyle. she didn't. Listen, I, I, and by the way, if Sly and Seagal threw down, I'm taking Sylvester Stallone 10 times out of 10. And I, I'm taking Frank Stallone over Steven Seagal. I, I will go with the whole Stallone family. I think <laughs> anyone Seagal Stallone. is fully, oh, anybody named Stallone. Because you know what, Bill? If he was in that stupid fight with the mascot, Iceberg would have to get its arm broken over its knee. It'd just have to get tossed yeah. like that. It would be so dumb. And Steven Seagal would never allow his face to be touched. And and I, I I don't like it. Yeah, I think if you're pitting all these people together in some sort of, I don't know, octagon thing. Royal where, Rumble. Almost like yeah. the plot of Warrior. If it's like you got to advance to the next round. I actually think Van Damme might be the favorite. Mm. Schwarzenegger is probably almost too big. I think he'd have trouble like moving around. He's got so much muscle. You could, he's just too bulky. It's like those big guys in fights who like, they almost can't throw punches because they can't move their arms right. Stallone was like five, seven and Seagal couldn't really fight. So I just think, I think Van Damme's like a minus 300 favorite in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, the spin kick is going to be the equalizer, too. He's really, plus he could do the splits to either side of the ring on the ropes. They'd have all kinds of advantages. And the Royal Rumble, it's never those massive guys, at least not recently, who win. Like, they're hard to get, they're easy to get out. They fatigue easily. Right. I think Van Damme is probably the favorite of those four. And I think that Steven Seagal is like the bushwhacker who's in the ring for two seconds, and they just throw him out. (laughs) Remember that guy? Yeah. Well, you think like Chong Lee is the North Star of this conversation. Bolo Young. Because it's like him and him and Ivan Drago as the two most intimidating villains that have probably been in, in any movie like this. And uh Jesus. Chong Lee, you know, Seagal, 
they'd really have to do a lot of editing to make me think he even, you know, puts Chong Lee in his heels, much less beats him. Stallone yeah. versus Chong Lee, he would do the thing where it's like, all right, you hit me like for two <laughs> cool, minutes and then cool. I'll rally back. And then all of a sudden Chong Lee's ripping out his lyrics. So he's out. And, uh, and Chong Lee versus, versus Schwarzenegger is an interesting one, but I think ultimately Chong Lee takes him too. I think Van Damme's the only one. Now, if we're going into current era, yeah. I think The Rock in this conversation in a real way, because he's 6'3". Um, I just think from a physicality standpoint, uh, he has the wrestling background, so he's, yeah. he's been in some scraps. So I think he'd, it's probably him versus Van Damme for me in the in the finals. And then Chuck Norris would be the other one where he's kind of like discount Van Damme. Right. But he did have the whole background way back when. So. Yeah, and then you can toss in some some fodder. You, you want to toss Statham in for a few minutes. You can throw him out of the ring really quickly. Yeah, British guys are out. We're, we're yeah, taking the out. British guys out. You yeah, had me at Dolph Lundgren versus Bolo Young. Drago versus, versus Chong Lee. There's your podcast. Jesus. That would be great. I mean, you watch Rocky Four, which I know you have a, more, than, oh, yeah. more than once. Uh, we've talked about the rewatchables. He, he is the most realistic looking bad guy boxing guy in any boxing movie that's ever happened. Yeah. Every punch looks like, I don't, I don't know how they did it, but it's just, you know, the straight, it just seems like there's so much power behind it. And, you know, that's why Stallone got brain damage and did Rocky five. Cause it was just, <laughs> it was just too much punishment. Um, but anyway, with, with Van Damme, um, I think he, that's a great point. Like he did sell the fact that in real life, he's probably just killing everybody. Mm-hmm. But he made, he kind of made all of his characters seem a little more vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. I always liked him. I think he also, the other piece he had, which all of these guys had, is the fun to imitate thing. <laughs> like, right? You go through all those dudes we just right. mentioned. Schwarzenegger, that was the number one calling card for him. Stallone, really fun to imitate. Seagal, yeah. really fun to imitate. On down the line, it was all like, this is such an ironic era, that 1985 to 1995, where it was like, we love these guys, but it was also kind of fun to make fun of them. And they weren't in on the joke yet, was the other I know. thing. <laughs> well, I miss it. it. it I miss it too. Because even, even if you did the shittiest Arnold impression, you just go, Ah, and you got it. That's all you need to do. Like basically for Total Recall for two and a half hours, he just goes, ah, and it's so simple. And Van Damme's in Bloodsport. After he kicks, he goes, ah, and then here he talks like this and do not leave out of this seat. Some reason I am a Pittsburgh fire inspector. I talk like this. It's the best. <laughs> My name's Darren. Darren McCord. Darren McCord. I have the, this accent though. Can you tell uh, me? We we talked this quick. I'm sorry. The name that his fuck is his name is Darren McCord. What the fuck? Darren McCord sounds like a guy who has like a, a mock draft on FanDuel right now. Like and he's 3.0. It doesn't sound like a guy in the 90s who inspects fires in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, I'm glad I was gonna do this later, but I, I think no, it's too important. Not, no, no, <laughs> I think got? it's too important not to do right now. My guess, anytime the name is way off with the actor, my guess yeah. is that they had it in the script, but they didn't realize it was going to be Van Damme. <laughs> and they just got lazy. They're like, wow, if we change it, I mean, somebody's got to go in a final draft and change, you know, yeah. 330 mentions of his name. So just keep it. Nobody's going to care. They don't anticipate the internet, YouTube, this podcast. They don't, they, they just think they're making sudden death. It'll make whatever it makes. And then it'll never be seen again. They That's don't understand so the whole dissecting part. You're, it's too much work to change it. And to, to prove your point, 
in a true uh, Van Damme vehicle, like Lionheart from the get-go. In, in Lionheart, his character's name is is Jean or Pierre or something French-Canadian, because that it's was the boy. Van Damme thing from the get-go. Right, Lion. He yeah. plays, Leon. in Bloodsport, he plays Frank Ducks, but that Dukes. was the real guy's name. Frank Dukes, sorry. Yeah. Um, that was the real guy's name. Yeah. In Cyborg, he's Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> Kickboxer is Kurt Sloan. Sure. That's another one. Like, I just don't see him as a Kurt Sloan. Then no. he's Lion. In Death Warren, he's Lewis Burke. I can kind of see it. Sure. Double Impact. Two of them. Really, a movie we'll probably do at some point where he plays twins. And it was the old Jay Leno joke of, it's I knew so they good. were twins because neither of them could act. Um, <laughs> he plays Alex and Chad Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> in Double Impact. And Chad uh, is like the fancy one. I, I know that movie. Universal Soldier. He's Luke Devereaux. Okay, perfect. That's a Van yes. Damme name. Then Nowhere to Run, he's Sam Gillen. Yeah. Hard Target, he's Chance Boudreaux. That sounds reasonable. Sure. And Time Cop, he's Walker. And then in Street Fighter, is Colonel Gill. Um, yeah, guy from so the So for the most game. part, it's hit or miss with the Van Damme names. This is Darren McCord, Pittsburgh Fire Marshal is probably the least realistic, I think. <laughs> You just, you can't, you rip off those characters. You're sending me on so many side quests to talk about them. Like nowhere to run. His kid is Kieran Culkin. It's, it's the, it's, it's from the succession yeah. and in double impact, there's a joke. There's so many jokes about his dick and how big it is. And they're so written in. They're so bad. They all got to get done eventually. Double team. He plays Jack Quinn. Double mm. team is an abominable movie. Ter I never have actually watched it. It's abominable. What's interesting is if he was having all those cocaine difficulties in 96, that's when they were filming it. But Rodman wasn't exactly Mother Teresa. Like, what was that set like? Where was the double team moral history? Yeah, because if it's 96, that's 95. That's like into the second three-peat, like the Jordan uh, yeah. baseball year. Rodman's, Rodman's coming unraveling. Over. Yeah, that's He's rough. unraveling at that point. Uh, Wikipedia yeah. describes this movie as the film pits a lone fire marshal against extortionists who hold unsuspecting NHL players and fans for ransom during Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals and set payment milestones to coincide with the game's progress. Mm -hmm. That's actually what happens. If I just read you that sentence, in my head, I'm like, oh, this will be a classic. Yeah, it's a fun and, device. And it kind of is. I, I love it. it it's like 30 seconds left. And, you know, our guy Powers Booth is just sitting there being like, not looking good. And there's like <laughs> right. 15 seconds left. And then he shoots him. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Powers Booth. Directed by Peter Hyams, who's like a real director. Yeah. Interesting note. Released on December 22nd, 1995. Huh. One week after Heat. Oh, shit. Really? So Heat comes out. And they're like, you know what? We've just peaked with movies yeah. to go see in a theater. Let's throw you a sudden death next week. You need like, oh, it's almost like a sorbet. You need like a cleanser just yeah. to regroup. It's like <laughs> a palate cleanser. Or, yeah. or, or, or a sherbet. $35 million budget made $64 million. Our guy Roger Ebert, two and a half stars. I'll, I'll take it every day. I'll take it. He said... Quote, perhaps the world does not require more than a dozen or so diehard clones. You tell me, if this season of Peace on Earth and Goodwill Toward Men, it would make you feel better to see a thriller in which thousands of hockey fans almost get blown up, hostages are killed, and a guy in a penguin suit gets a one-way trip through an industrial-strength dishwasher, then Sudden Death is your movie. Strong paragraph, except he got the mascot, it was it was a woman, which is, we'll talk about that when we do the categories. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Let's take a break. We're going to do the categories. 
This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. You can do it all right in the USAA app. And replacement cost coverage comes standard. That means damaged items are repaired or replaced even if they cost more today than they did when you bought them. Which could put your wallet at ease too, by the way. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu, where this March there are enough new shows and movies to keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Stream the all-new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale set in Japan. And we are covering that on the Prestige TV podcast, by the way. All this and more is on Hulu this month. So what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. All right, most rewatchable scene. I'm not going to put in the um, hastily thrown together um, fire scene where apparently oh Van Damme God. just crushes a little girl and awful. she's dead. What a way to start a movie. What's going on? Why are, why are we staring at the dead eyes of a, of a just murdered girl from a fire? What? That's the nineties dude. 30 seconds into the movie, we got a dead kid with her eyes open too. And Van Damme's, I found her. Like, oh good, it's going to be a miracle. Oh, she's just dead. I think you smothered her. I think you actually killed her and yeah. her eyes are wet up. It's creepy. I actually think there's probably a civil lawsuit and <laughs> and uh Darren McCord might be serving some time. It's like well, so, that explains so why your wife left him. So you're protecting the little girl. How did she get crushed to death? What yeah. what happened? Right. Well, the, the, uh, uh, it's at least a trial. Um you love the scene when he goes to pick up his kids, including his it. little shit kid, the kid from Sleepless in Seattle. Hate it. Who um, two years later is now in this movie as Van Damme's son, who's just a fucking prick, and I rooted for him to die in the, in the hockey arena for two hours, and it didn't happen. <laughs> um, we get the stepfather; it's the classic ex-wife, just kind of disgusted by him, let down. You know the midnight run, uh, De Niro's wife trope. Uh, we we don't revisit it. We never see her again. Nope. I have no idea what the stepfather's doing. Um, they're really pissed nice, that though. he has game. He's game seven tickets. People are acting like he's, you know, taking somebody to a, a Thursday circus. This is Pittsburgh. Like all anyone's talking about is game seven penguins. Is there a reaction? You have game seven tickets. Oh my God. That's amazing. No, they just shit on him for three minutes. What are you doing here? You can't stay. We're just getting ready to leave. It's birthday. And you've got them all day tomorrow. I just got these. I thought the kids might want to. We're all going out to dinner. Looks like those might be penguin tickets. They are. It's the seventh game. The vice president's going to be there. Daddy, daddy! That's my hat. I can wear it. Mom said I could. I do. And he just throws down that trump card, takes him right out of this. Oh, oh, these? Oh, these two games? You guys were going to go out to dinner? That sounds fucking cool. Listen, I, I, I hate this scene because I've lived this scene as a kid with divorced parents. It's classic. Like, it'd be my birthday, and mom would set up, we're going to go to TCBY and get a frozen yogurt. And then my dad would pull up, like, in his Porsche and be like, hey, I got seats at the Chicago Stadium tonight. The Pistons are in town. You want to go see Jordan? And then you go. And it's so stressful. And I yeah. relive that in that scene. Is And the stepdad is obviously kissing Van Damme's ass and trying to make it all work. It's a horrible scene. I hate it. It gives me anxiety. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, next one is Powers Booth laying out the whole plan mm-hmm. in the luxury suite, mm-hmm. which I guess looks like this. I jotted down some notes. 13 frozen bank accounts and five U.S. banks. The vice president now being held hostage is yep. going to unfreeze those 13 and it's $1 billion like $200 million. Mm-hmm. And they hit like 16 cliches in three minutes where you have the, it cuts to the vice president. That's impossible. Those are the numbers of 13 bank accounts and five U.S. banks that belong to three different countries that our government has frozen for a variety of reasons. They represent a total deposit of $1,700,000,000. Christ, it runs in the family. During the course of this game, all that money is going to be released transferred to banks of my choice. That's impossible. At least one third of the money must be moved during each of the three periods of the game. If at the end of the first period, the deposits are behind, one of you will die. If we're still lagging at the end of the second period, two of you will die. And at the end of the third period, everyone in this building will die. You have no idea of the complexity. I had an idea. I had this idea. And we are going to... He says that, that every period, more money will get released. Mm-hmm which is ludicrous, um, tells him you'll call the president and then the mayor's wife can't resist herself and she says, I don't think anyone with manicured fingernails and a $10,000 mm. wristwatch plans up blowing himself up and he does the $15,000. When do you want to have the Powers Booth conversation? You want to save it for later or do it now? Let's do it now, Bill. Let's fucking do it. Let's go. Did you like his performance in this movie? I think it was fine. I, I, I think you find yourself ranking him where where is he amongst the terrorist masterminds in 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 let's put where is he on the hans gruber rankings i think it's fine he, he's he never really I, loses i have it. I think those like rankings for you. you oh what do you got i love this rickman and die hard is a 10 yes in his first movie ever nine out of ten would you give it to tommy lee jones at under siege or lithgow and cliffhanger tommy lee that's what i had as well lithgow okay. and cliffhanger is an eight yeah Dennis Hopper and Speed, a six or a seven? Six. This is a campy. Okay. I had campy. that as well. I couldn't find the right seven. Bogosian and Under Siege 2, I had down as a four. <laughs> what I'm laughing about is I already know what your one is going to be. I fucking know what it's going to be. I have it, and I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> okay. I had Powers Booth as a three out of 10 That's on the Ripon scale. It's, it's not great. It feels mailed in. My thing with when you have villains like this, and we'll talk about this more when I do recasting couch. Um, My villain, if he's done correctly, like Alan Rickman, it has to be also somebody who could have stepped into season 11 of Cheers and gotten off some one-liners and been Mm -hmm. able to interact in that way. Because ultimately the goal with these villains is they want them to be these sarcastic, smarmy, kind of classy, but um, and they're whipping off one-liners. And if you can do that in a movie like this, you should also be able to do it in like a really good sitcom comedy or like Veep, something like that. Or yeah. like Tom in Succession. Tom in Succession would make a great- Kills it. Just like an awesome sudden death villain. He would have been incredible because he's got comic timing. Paris Booth does not. No, and you know what? He's I never so buy many him. toys to play with. He is. You, you don't buy him. This is, you get to eat shrimp and drink wine while you talk shit and kill people and taunt. This is a dream role that should be hit out of the fucking park. And I, I think it needs someone a little more charismatic. We agree. 
Go on. I have a, a two out of ten, the passenger fifty-seven guy. Oh, that guy's terrible. Yeah, I never saw terrible. him again. You know who the number one's gonna be. Do you want me to say it or you? <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, what's <laughs> I, I think it's the guy from Toy Soldiers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That guy. I knew it. And I love Toy Soldiers, dude. I do too. We'll be doing it at some point. But that guy is is an absolute one out of ten. Might even be a zero if you really if you he want to go zero speech, out of ten. He goes, there are bombs all over the school. If you touch them, they will explode. And it was like, <laughs> it's so he, bad. Every scene. It was like a career ending performance. I don't even know what that guy's name was, but we never um, saw him again. What number did you not have the seven? What, what were you missing? I, I'm missing, I was missing uh, five and seven. All right, I got a seven. Um, Gary Oldman and Air Force One. Pretty good. Pretty does good. That, th does that count as a Die Hard movie? I guess it die does. Die Hard on, a, on the president's plane. Absolutely. I, I think the terrorists take over and they got to fight yeah, back. And I think that's it. That's good. All right. Well, if, if anybody wants to throw a, Throw five at us. Yeah, give us um, something that's just let, so boring. Let us know. All right, that was fun. I'm glad we did that. That was great. Uh, Powers Booth, three out of 10 on the Rickman scale. So um, next one, Van Damme fights the Penguins mascot. Let's go. It's a terrorist in a mascot costume. So many great things about this scene. First of all, um, and we'll go into the making of this movie, but the yeah. fact that the Penguins owner and his owner's yeah, wife, sure. the owner's wife wrote some of the script. And they're just like, how can we incorporate as many of the things in the stadium? So they're like, you know, what will be great is like a arena cafeteria fight scene. They bring in a meat cutter. There's a French fryer. There's a ceiling fan. Uh, the dishwasher thing kills her. Yep. How is the mascot remotely hanging with Van Damme in a, in a fucking fight? It's just badass. You, you're wearing that giant towel. mask on. You can barely see out of it. You're encumbered by the costume. Like just an incredible performance. It is. And- I think this scene is really important. It, my take is that if you made a top 10 list of the 10 most ridiculous 90s action movie scenes, Sudden Death has number one and number two. I think this is two. <laughs> We're going to get to one. But you remember, remember, Bill, the opening scene in Naked Gun where Nordberg like steps in a bear trap and then touches yeah. a hot stove and then gets paint on his jacket? That's what the scene is. They're doing a deli meat cutter. The woman gets her hand deep fried. It's I don't even know if they know it's funny. And when I watch it... I'm not, I'm kind of laughing, but I'm also kind of digging it. It's such a bizarre scene. I love it. And the whole lifting the scene that they show the fingernails at some point, then yeah. lifting off the mask at the end. It's just very odd. Um, fantastic. The next one I have, we haven't talked about this guy yet. One of the terrorists. Go on. They didn't say his name. I nicknamed him Drunk Bono because he looks like he look kind of looks like Bono, but he's drunk. He looks like a drunk. I've had seven drinks and yeah. been in jail, Bono. Uh, so I have uh, McCord beating up Drunk Drunk Bono, who he punches him twice, and yep. it's like, what's the plan? And and the guy just immediately gives him the entire plan. All right, all right, we took the box. We got people everywhere. The whole joint's rigged with bombs. We could bring the whole building down. What are you? Terrorist? I'm no fucking terrorist. I'm a professional. How do I get in the box? No, you don't. Not if you want to see that kid alive. I'm pretty sure he breaks like a henchman code there, I felt like. That guy went easy and he's like, I, I'm not a terrorist. They always say, I'm a professional. And then he's yeah, such yeah. a professional, a he gives it up man. in two tries. I'm, I'm yeah. a businessman. That's another cliche. 
Uh, and then McCord kills him with a meat bone. Yep. Right I think in the it neck. Was meat bone, right? Yep. Yeah, it was like a bone yeah. that he breaks on the side of the table and then stabs him with it. It was really innovative. Well, I also, that also won the award for Big Kahuna Burger Award for best use of food and drink, stabbing somebody <laughs> in the neck with a meat bone. It's immediate winner. <laughs> I also love that they had they decided to go back to the kitchen for a second fight scene. Hell yes. They were like, did we do enough in the kitchen? And they were like, nah, that we still had there's like we could have done like a meat bone thing. And and they're like, all right, we'll do one more. And they yeah, just Yeah, you know, we got this right rolling back. pin here. If we want to use that, I could put some banana peels on the floor if you want to slip on those. Like we got all kinds of stuff. You want you Why want was, where's the freezer? Fight? Yeah, where's the freezer? Why didn't they grab like a frozen filet mignon and just start it's hitting true. each other with it? I felt like there's left stuff. Their blender, nobody had like the hand in the blender. I feel like they might, listen, we did a dishwasher kill of a female mascot. That's never been done before since maybe we just leave it there, (laughs) right? A dishwasher kill is very rare. Next one I have is two terrorists, slow play killing McCord and he gets saved by Hallmark. And then McCord punches Hallmark in the face anyway. It's just a bizarre scene. And we haven't had the heel turn yet of Hallmark, but you know it's coming from the moment you see him. Do you believe me of an explosive? Afraid not. You're McCord, I'm Hallmark. Have any ID? I didn't kill you. That's for doing your job half-assed and putting my daughter's life in danger. And the vice president. How'd you happen to come down here? I saw these two and I followed them. Part of my job is recognizing who's out of place and who isn't. They didn't seem interested in hockey. How'd you kill that guy? Magic. I think there's most of us. You know what's something in that scene, Bill, that just doesn't happen in real life? There's no part where, like, you just punch someone in the face and you're like, that's for putting my daughter in danger. Like, good punch. Anyway, let's <laughs> right. work together. It's it's a game ender. <laughs> if someone punches you in the it's jaw, true. it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a fight at that point. Yeah. I also love the trope of uh, when the terrorists find him underneath. Like, I'm guessing the instructions are shoot on sight. Yeah. If you see this guy, shoot him in the head. They've already yeah. killed multiple people, right? And so it's like, ha, ah, got you. Held the gun on him. <laughs> All right, he's probably getting out of this. Yeah. Um, I have McCord killing Hallmark with the water gun, uh, whatever thing that he does. But then Fireface McCord comes back, Cape Fear style. Ah! With like the burned half face, bad You're makeup. You're talking on. about when, when Hallmark comes back, like he's Max Cady onto the houseboat and <laughs> half of his like, face ah! is burned off. Hey, Bill, is it true that that's how you're going to be uh, if the Patriots draft Hendon Hooker in the first round? You're going <laughs> and your face is going to be burned off. What did you do, Bill? You, Why do we have two mediocre quarterbacks? <laughs> Why? Um, next one I have is McCord. So he does this thing, He Van, Van Damme's character, yeah, where he's running. He goes to see where his kids are, but then he runs down. Yeah. The, the lower section of the hockey thing. And it's actually kind of amazing. It's amazing. Cause like you've watched, you, we've all go to games a bunch of times and you have that thing where somebody decides they're going to get cute and walk mm-hmm. behind the row that they're sitting in because they don't want to make everyone get up. And then they try to climb over the one row just to sit down. And it's, a, it's like 90 things go wrong. They'll spill yeah. their drink. They'll trip. They'll get their dress caught. It always goes bad. He's going down section one. Like, like it's like nothing. Yeah, he looks like fucking Tomb Raider or something. It's an incredible leap that he's doing. I can't even execute it at the movie theater. I fall down or spill somebody's drink. Like he goes bounding like a Spider Man as he's on fire. And he's like bouncing on him. It is really good. 
I rewound it because I was like, did they did they cheat this? Like, did they remove the seat? And it's like, no, yeah. it seems like they just kept the seats out for him and he just kind of bounced off of them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I would say that would be Apex Mountain for running on stadium steps, but I think it's that guy from Vision Quest holding the log over his shoulders up the stairs. Shoot. That's still probably yeah, shoot. shoot. Yeah. Still got it. Um, <laughs> the other part of that when he's running down the stairs is everyone's just locked in on the game. Yeah. It's game seven. It's like here's a guy sprinting down section one, just jumping on people's lap. Now we get we run a power play. Can this guy tied up in side. game seven, Bill? I don't give a shit what's happened. The next thing I wrote down was Van Dam plays goal, big stop, punches a guy. Mm. Let's go. The best part, my favorite part of this whole scene is when the announcer says, This has been a strange night for Tolliver, the goalie. <laughs> Makes a little move out in front of the net. What's he doing? and knock him down. He's going to get a game misconduct and a fighting major. He's put his team shorthanded. The penguin now really in the hole. I don't believe This has been a strange night for Tolliver. I don't know what he's up to, Mike. Tolliver! That's a thousand dollar fine! <laughs> After he punches, makes a great save and punches a guy from behind in the face, seemingly getting like a game misconduct penalty. But there's this whole subplot where the penguin's goalie is sick. Yes. It's 104 degree temperature, keeps giving up goals. And at no point, the coach is like, maybe we should go the backup uh -uh, here. Uh -uh. Um, and then the guy skates off. And the next time we see him, he's just in a locker room with no trainers, with like an oxygen mask yeah, on. It's no like, doctors. Was this guy, did he, was, did this guy create COVID? What happened? Was this the first guy who had COVID-19? Did yeah, he have it, like some sort of pneumonia? What what was going on with him? He's in quarantine, like he's in movie Outbreak, which was very recently close <laughs> to this one. I, I actually have a, like a weird sports take on that is it's game seven. It's tied three to three and the goalie goes and checks himself out of the game. Like, is that not the softest thing that would, he would just get annihilated for in Pittsburgh? Doesn't that go against everything hockey represents? Right. Take me out. I'm not feeling it. Dude, it's three to three. The backup goalie sucks. I, 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 was, I thought that was a weird plot point among many others. It's a good point. Like the announcers should have been way more outraged. Yeah. Like, he's where not, is Tolliver going? He's our best goalie. And then Bill, yeah. uh, beyond that, do you, like that, I think this hockey scene is so important. Do you understand the why and the how? Like, do you even understand why McCord is getting in the hockey stuff and going out there? I, I'm not really, she's trying to hide from the henchmen, right? I don't know why it is. I had this later. Let's do it now. Oh, um, shit, I'm stepping on it. No, All no, right. no, no. It's, it's, it's too crucial. Okay. I thought there was like a scene missing or I thought like I got distracted by an email and there was some explanation for it and I rewound <laughs> yeah. it. There's no explanation whatsoever. Okay. He's hiding from the bad guys, but to put on goalie equipment, I don't know, does it take 10 minutes? Yeah. A so lot. if you're hiding from bad guys, you're just gonna be like, I'm gonna hide from these bad guys who are right around the corner looking for me. I think I have 11 minutes to put on an entire goalie outfit and skate out there. Well, it's not 11, it's 22, because you have to undress the other goalie who for some reason is willing and unconscious, and you have to unstrap it from him, Great and point. then it's weird. I, it's it's a 20-minute-plus endeavor completely, and that's before you even start blocking shots. <laughs> it's stupefyingly weird and dumb and great, and I loved it so much. I was thinking, like, you know, it again, my sports movie consultancy firm yeah, that, go, uh, go. you know, I've never... I'll probably never open, but I'm I'm here. I'm open for okay. business for anyone. Yeah. There was a whole sideline reporter thing they probably missed here. 
Mm. Where it's like, let's go down to Becky and she's going to find out what happened to Tolliver. And like, mm -hmm. she's down in the locker room and just uh, gets smoked by a terrorist and just <laughs> murdered. Like there was, my point is there were more deaths we could have had in this movie. They, and I, the, the whole meta conversation about just icing a sideline reporter, I think could have been fun. You know, just like the classic, is my hair right? Could right. Be, could, no, you, and then just like she's dead in two seconds. I think it would have been funny. Uh, next one I have is Van Damme fights, kills more guys in the locker room as the Penguins kill a four minute power play and Lucky Luke scores the tying goal. So he gets that game. He he punches a guy from behind. It's the tie game. Yeah. Starts a brawl. Mm -hmm. It's either a five minute fighting major or two, two minute minors. Either way, they're on, they're shorthanded the rest of the game. There's like four minutes left. Um, Somehow they fight that off with the backup goalie, but then score right as the clock is at 0, 0.0. I guess that would be a shorthanded goal. Yeah. That's got to be in the running for greatest, most unrealistic plays in the history of sports movies. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. And well, listen, it strains the, the credibility of all. Like, it, 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 There's a million things I want to ask you as the sports media, the sports movie consultants. Like, All of this that happens here, do you think it's the worst in terms of like, You've talked a lot about the Derek Vineyard reverse jam in Project History or American yeah. History X. Is Van Damme and everything he does, is this worse than the Derek Vineyard? Yeah, I mean, yes and no, because this movie's, American History X was like trying to win an Oscar. <laughs> this movie's just trying to make the Penguins owner's wife happy that they made right. a movie. And, right. you know, so it's just what's weird to me is they're so invested in the hockey game. Yes. And they're really about, they keep showing the score and different things. And no, now they're on a power play. And yet this whole incident happens with four minutes left. And then they, they lose the narrative completely. Are they shorthanded? Did they have to pull the goalie? Did the goalie get pulled with a minute left? We never mm -hmm. see the goalie skid up like, oh, they're mm -hmm. going for it. Only a minute left. Can they do it? And it's just like all of a sudden, Lucky Luke is, you know, dodging away. three people and, and a, on a breakaway. And there's like no context. Yeah. It's just it weird. It's real cheesy. I agree. I agree. I don't get it. I have double roof fight for the uh, rewatchable. He, he fights two different people on the roof of the arena. Yep. I'm also giving that the Great Shot Gordo Award for most cinematic shot. Oh, it's so awesome. It just looks great. But um, it, it loses. The, I don't know how you feel about him swinging from stuff and landing in the luxury suite while holding explosive material, but it's a stretch. <laughs> Homemade uh, explosive material that he just whipped up. We don't have any idea why he's like this MacGyver thing and he can make dart guns out of his hand and everything. It's a rough scene. I, I don't know why he didn't just go up the elevator again. It's a little strange. <laughs> yeah, why, how does he why did he go to the roof? Why? He's a fireman. How does he know how to make homemade explosives and, and, uh, well, and shoot things out of his arm? He knows incendiary devices and stuff, but the, the dart gun out of, the, out of the hand, like, I don't know if that's just some dad knowledge or something, but I, we're both dads and I don't think you and I can make a gun like that. I don't know where that came from. He jumps. It feels like, I don't know if it's longer than Bob Beeman's jump, but it's close <laughs> just to latch onto the thing, which then carries him. But he's right. somehow also carrying the explosive device, which doesn't fall. He's not worried at all about maybe this device will fall and blow up everybody nope. in hockey. <laughs> and then somehow knows exactly where the luxury suite is in the big yeah. scheme of this arena. And this thing can take him right there. And it's it just kind of all happens. Like it's, it's realistic. Yeah, and he throws the bomb, lands in the hole, grabs the machine gun, starts shooting, saves the daughter. It's it's he, it goes very quickly. It's, it pretty much turns into a video game. But you're riveted. Yeah. Who cares? 
Yeah, well, when he li- when he goes in the suite, I just feel like he's getting shot on sight. There's like yeah. three guys with guns there, but it's Those fine. They're good. a little stunned. The last one I have is Van Damme kills everyone in the helicopter. Um, mm-hmm. This might be the longest helicopter crash ever filmed. <laughs> goes on for it's a while. <laughs> multiple different camera angles of Powers Booth going, ah! Yeah, a lot. And then it's like two seconds, ah! It's just going down. Um but my favorite part is right before he pulls the helicopter down, Powers Booth escapes mm-hmm. and it cuts to the helicopter and all the guys evil laugh. Mm. They're like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Which, after Austin Powers, it's so funny to see anyone so do perfect. that, like pre-1997. Uh, but I just, that that whole ending's great. Anyway, we have, do we have the hockey game for the most rewatchable? Van, yeah, Dam- with, Van Damme with- going to goal? Van Damme going in the goal is one of the most rewatchable scenes of the 90s. I, I, I Listen, or any sports movie, too. I, I got to tell you, Bill, like, Roy Hobbs hitting the home run and Jimmy Chitwood and all that shit. Van Damme's going in the goal. I'm not changing the channel. It's hilarious. It's a nice save, too. Um, Fucking glove save. It's, it's spectacular. It's it's kind of frustrating that they didn't keep him in there for two more minutes and just have, like, a barrage of saves. They just did the one save. <laughs> Um, I have a lot of questions about the hockey scene for picking nits. What's age the best? Um, him being named Darren McCord is so fucking funny. Why not like Pierre McCord? <laughs> nope. Darren. <laughs> Looks nothing or like Jean a Darren McCord. McCord. So true. Darren McCord is the whitest, most American sounding name I've ever heard. Uh, I mentioned Drunk Bono. Any 80s or 90s action movie where the following things happen. Go on. I gotcha. I have four, th- just four things. And maybe, maybe I forgot a couple. Um, someone telling either an FBI or a cop or whatever. I think you ought to see this. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's a line that only happens in these movies. Yep. Um, I love bad guys shooting a hostage in a crowded room. Just the casual, just the one shot just to prove to everybody mm-hmm. like this is a serious thing um, with the glee and you know, that it, that's a staple. I love instant bank transfers. I think bank oh, transfers yeah. are so much harder than they are in these action <laughs> movies where it's like, I want $1 billion in 10 minutes. And they're like, okay, cool. In real life, no, ch- you, you can't transfer a hundred dollars in 10 minutes. No, they're like, what, what's your mother's maiden name? And how many things in this picture have a stoplight on it to prove you're not a robot? It takes fucking forever. <laughs> The surprise bad guy reveal is another staple. Really good. You see it um, a lot. It's always about at the one hour mark of the movie, give or take five minutes. Um, the guy's face always changes. The good guy realizes it like two seconds too late. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get shot. And then they have to have a whole navigation. The bad guy immediately tells him the whole plan. It's another staple. I love it. Those are the four that I thought like these are yeah. just like almost Mad Libs. There's a real ham-handed line that usually comes with the second bad guy reveal. In this case, McCord's like, you must be real proud of yourself. And he's like, I'm going to be real rich. And it's like, that's fucking <laughs> awful. What a terrible line. I hate that yeah, line. It's like pr- premature bragging. Yeah, how could you? Because I'm going to be owning a mansion. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> I would only add to it, like, I fucking love the technical guru who comes in. And he's always some wise ass who's drinking soda or playing video games or cracking wise. It's an unapologetic ripoff of Theo from Die Hard. And we had it in this yeah. one, too. You have to have a tech specialist. Good point. Yeah, the, they, they, the brags about being rich, it's always like, well, 
I won't worry about it when I'm St. Bart's sipping a martini. You know, they, they, they always get like colorful with the brag. In Die Hard 2, when Colonel Stewart's going away with John Amos, John Amos is like, I've seen enough fucking snow to last a lifetime. And Stewart's like, don't get much of that in the tropics, Major. And they all just, <laughs> <laughs> and then the plane blows up. <laughs> uh, what's age the best? Van Damme talking French to Luke Robitaille. Oh, I think awesome. this is the only time it's happened in a movie. Mm-hmm. I like this line. You know, we're in a our kind of movie, you and me, when Go there's on. a line like this. We've messed up a few times since I've been an agent, but how the fuck did we lose the vice president? <laughs> great. Imagine typing that in final draft and be like, oh, hey, what do you think of this line? Um, I love the annoying hostage that you know is going to get shot. In this case, it's the mayor's wife. When Powers Booth calls her out at one point, he's like, we're going to have to kill a hostage. What do you think? It's got to be the mayor's wife, right? Uh, at one point, they, I had this down for my favorite line. He goes, can somebody make this cow stop moaning? <laughs> I was like, what a fucking line. That's perfect. She's terrified, Powers. You just killed two people in front of her. This cow. I laughed out loud. <laughs> it's such a fun, like speed has it. Daylight has it. That's another one where like yeah. half the oh, people yeah, sure. Stallone having it, trying to save are just the worst people on the planet. Speed yeah. has the couple people on the bus that are just awful, including uh, our guy Fry. Connor Roy. Con He's head. just terrible. Yeah. Um, one other what's age the best. This could also be what's age the worst. The kid Go actors on. in this movie are oh, so Jesus. bad. Terrible. That I actually think it's a what's age the best for me. The daughter is like just one, like, I, I almost think this should be a new category. I'll have to Craig give final approval. Um, when you see an acting performance like the daughter in this movie, you want to play the IMDb game and it's like yeah, over sure. under IMDb credits. So Go I'm going to ask you, Kyle Brandt, yeah. how many IMDb credits for the little girl in this movie? Total career. Oh, let me mean. give you the over under. I'll, I'll give you uh seven and a half. Total over under seven and a half. Uh, I, I got to go over. She's so young. Over. Four. Jesus. What'd she do? And one of them was like an Arsenio Hall sketch. So it was basically three. Yeah, that was it. I don't think the game tape from this movie was kind for her agents. Like, well, yeah, also, how about the game tape of her death. parents putting her in that movie and just people just gunning down all around <laughs> her? It's disgusting. Powers Booth looks at this girl and goes, I'm going to kill your daddy. And I'm like, fuck, Powers. That's I'm going to put spiders girl. in your mouth. Yeah. yeah Maybe she didn't want to act anymore after this movie. That's it. Uh, what other, what stage the best do you have? I'm going to ask you something about this, Bill, and see if you agree with me. See if I'm crazy. Is Jean-Claude Van Damme really good in this movie? I think he's really good. And I mean, think about this. There's no sex scene. He doesn't do the splits. He doesn't show his ass. In this role, he's just really trying to save those kids and stop the bombs. And I feel like he really cares about those kids. And I feel like it's Van Damme's best performance as an actor. I think he looks good and he looks every part the action hero other than the corny screenplay stuff. But like, I think he's really good in it. I do. I concur. I don't even have a counter. If this were first take, I would just throw it a commercial. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. I think, you know, this is the... This is Stallone and Cliffhanger. This is Willis and Die Hard 2, yeah. um, where we have a history with the guy, so we kind of know all the beats, but a couple of times you're like, that's eh, pretty good job by him here. Yeah, he's Seems been a doing movies down. at this point for 10 straight years. Like, he's very experienced. 
he dictates the set. Like he's calling all the shots. And I don't know. I just I was proud of Van Damme this movie. I don't think you laughed at his acting. You laughed at some of the stuff his character does. I thought he was good. Um, and other than that, it's just great to see the like ESPN hockey night, Stanley Cup. I was I got me so fired up. I loved it. I enjoyed it as well. You think Van Damme realized he peaked as an actor and just was like, all right, I'm gonna try an eight ball. It's time. <laughs> And that was it. It was like, it was literally his apex mountain. All the greats go to cocaine. That's what I'm doing. The uh, Den of Thieves Benihana Awards, scene stealing location. I guess is the roof. Yeah, it's the arena. The whole or the thing arena. Is the yeah, it's the whole arena. Yeah, but I right. think they knew that the roof was going to be so badass that they had to manufacture a reason for him to go up there. There really isn't any other reason. It looks very cool. It's a great shot. The Butch's Girlfriend Award for Weak Link of the Film. Uh, we mentioned the kids. We talked about uh, the daughter, Whitney Wright. The Sleepless in Seattle kid. Like, I, I should be rooting for him to save the kids. These are his children. Yeah. That's the easiest thing for me to root for in a movie. And that little shit son, I'm just dying for him to, you know, especially when he's left in the arena at the end and it's just him. And it's like, Good time for the arena to blow up. This kid was just shitty to his dad for, uh, you know, the entire day. Fuck this kid. See, this is when Fennessy would come in and be like, oh, that's great, Bill. Make fun of the kid. Hope he died. And, and I'm sitting here. I'm with you. I'm like, that fucking idiot kid. I didn't leave, dad. I didn't leave. Shut up. Like, yeah. You moron. It, it drove me crazy. I don't like the kid either. <laughs> so this kid completely disrespects his dad the whole movie, like makes disparaging comments to the daughter. My dad's or a fucking his loser. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, well, light he's probably changing a light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, idiot. And then he gives him the instruction of don't leave your seat. And the kid's yeah. just chained to his seat for the next two hours. And so do you respect your dad or not? Like, Because at some point, maybe get up when everyone in the arena is out. I hated yeah. the little kid. I hate the kids in this movie. I did too. What's age the worst? Started the movie off with the dead little girl with her eyes open. I, I just don't know if we needed that. I mean, I think you, the nuance is perfect. Were the eyes open entirely necessary? We, we get it. A, a child died and it affects the psychology. It, it was disturbing in the first 30 seconds. It was their version of the opening of Cliffhanger, which we both love so much. <laughs> it's rushed through. Uh, it quickly ends and that's it. We just kind of, we they basically tried to accomplish everything Cliffhanger did for 20 yes. minutes in Cliffhanger in like three minutes. Except we would need her dad to blame Van Damme for killing the daughter and hold it against him for the rest of the movie inexplicably. <laughs> right. And that, that, maybe the dad is Powers Booth. That would have been a good wrinkle. Great wrinkle. The, uh, bringing machine guns into a sporting event has aged yep. the worst for a variety yep. of reasons, but mainly I don't think anyone's doing that anymore. I didn't love the crowd in this game seven. I just feel like everyone's, it's Penguins, Blackhawks game seven. It's Pittsburgh. This yeah. is like one of their only teams. They have the Steelers. They have uh, the Pirates. Yeah. Barry Bonds is gone by now. Uh, Steelers are, they're in the Neil O'Donnell era. Like this Penguins team, great. this is Lemieux, everybody. Uh, I just feel like they're standing for three hours. This I feels agree. like and a November a game to me. Yeah. I think like when the, the scoreboard starts exploding and stuff, they refuse to leave. Like they'll just stay there. I'm I'm gonna see the end of this. I bought these tickets. I'm not going anywhere. These are these right. are my pens. I agree. I agree. I, I don't which is your worst. I don't like that Lemieux's not in this game. What is that? Now, this might have been around the time when he got cancer and maybe he disappeared, but I still would have thrown him in. If we're gonna have Luke Robitaille in here, who only played for the Penguins for one year, like let's bring Yager, where's he? Yager's there. 
Uh, Ed Belfour is on the Blackhawks. Chelios is out there. It, it almost feels, the the sickness thing aside, it feels like when Jordan wasn't an NBA jam, like he's like, no, I'm not going to be on that shit. Like, well, where is 66 out there? This is a big deal. It's the Penguins in 95. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it from 66's side. I don't want to be in I, this. This is beneath yeah, me. <laughs> I think they explained the premise to him, and he's like, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks anyway. They're, so they're, they're like, they're, you know Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? right. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the guy from Hard Target? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie score isn't great. Nah. It felt like they ran out of money for the roof fight because somebody falls to their death, but we don't see it at all. And they don't even give us the stuntman half of the fall, fall by the cutaway. It's just that yeah. the guy just kind of goes off, exit stage right, Saturday Night Lifestyle. They used fake penguins and fake Blackhawks for this game, which mm. was not their fault because there was a hockey lockout. Mm -hmm. And if there had mm. been, you know, I think they could have rigged it where they could have used the real footage for the game. But the guys are noticeably not as good as real NHL players. Yeah, and I don't even think it was like, you know, like in blue chips, there's uh, there's guys out there like Bobby Hurley is out there playing. Like it's legit dudes. It didn't feel like that for me in this movie. No, it did not. Mm. Any other, I uh, would say, worse for you? Power's birth, we talked about. Yeah, uh, a couple of little ones. I fucking hate 555 phone numbers in movies. That's like an all, a Hall of Famer. I hate that. Yeah. I think the Penguins locker room looks like shit. It looks like a municipal locker room that one of my friend's kids could play in. Those have come a long way. But the biggest one here, Bill, and this is a heavy one. God damn, the violence is just insane in this movie. And it's, as the kids say, that 90s violence just hits different. It is not this sort of John Wickian stylized shootout in a nightclub. It's just bam, like right to the fucking head. And they do it to yeah. everybody. They're killing people in front of kids, in front of their husbands. They kill the old fucking gardening lady. They kill her husband, Chef Boyardee. They just shoot everyone remorselessly. It, it's, it's stunning if you go back and look at it. It's different now. You're right. Not a lot of nuance back in the Ugh. day. Ron Burgundy flew toward basically after the first five minutes, you can you're good skipping the next 17 to 20 until I have the same they, thing. First eight minutes, the kid dying and then the stepdad scene. Just enough of that bullshit. Take your piss early. Right. Was there a better title for this movie? No. I think Sudden Death is great. No, and it lends to one of our favorite things where you can go, Jean-Claude Van Damme is in sudden death. And it's dun, 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 dun. that always right. they can make the full sentence out of it. Best quote, we have dead heroes get the best funerals. Mm -hmm. Nobody does anything if it's right. They only do it if you make them. And would you like it if I filled your little mouth with spiders? All Powers Booth quotes. It's amazing he's only a three out of 10 on the Rickman scale. What else do they he have to do? Perfect setup, great lines. How do you I fuck know. this up, Powers Booth? Well, I, I struggled to look for the best line. And I think that speaks to Powers Booth's performance. And I already said, can somebody shut this cow up or whatever it is? So that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to take a break and then I have a Stephen A. Smith hottest take for you. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, Stephen A. Smith, how does take? Let's go. I'll give you the, you're the guest. You're the, you have the four. What do you got? All right. This is the fictional sporting event that I would most want to go to of all of them ever. This wow. is the one. Really? All right. So you're already, even at just the entry level, you go to the game seven, the Stanley Cup finals, and it goes to overtime. It's already an incredible event. And then, dude, the place evacuates. There's this wild thing that happens. None of the fans seem to get hurt. There's a guy swinging from the roof. This would be like if you were at the Mouse in the Palace or the Kermit Washington game or the Bartman game or the Fan Man game, but times a thousand. I, I look at all these games, like the, the famous ones. I mentioned the Natural and the Cleveland Indians with Ricky Vaughn. It's all great. Game seven, overtime, there's an attack. I have to evacuate. I'm telling all my friends about it. For the rest of my life, I'm telling the story. And I got out safe. That's a really good case. Thank I, you. For me, it's probably the natural to the Knights winning the pennant and the home run exploding all of the lights in the ballpark. Just mm -hmm. feels like a good story for my kids. Great story. Great story. You were at that game? What? Yeah. Um, I also think the longest yard would have been fun with Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and are you an inmate at the time? The prison, the prison comeback. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm covering it. I'm in the, I'm in the press box um, for sure. Yeah, it's a good argument. My hottest take. So, the what was the what was the Super Bowl movie? That uh, Sunday? Sunday. What was it? Yeah, Black, Black Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, that's like mid seventies. Sudden Death's ninety five. I'm ready for another one of these. Okay, go and on. I was trying to think like, Here we what, go. What sport is the most? I don't want to say desperate, but maybe the most welcoming to okay. being the venue of a movie while also, um, you know, um, kind of being in the mix. Mm -hmm. Like who needs mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Baseball has been pretty desperate. Go right? on. Baseball, they're changing the rules. Um, a lot of stuff like that, putting Theo Epstein out there doing interviews, um, really worried about the regular season and just how do we get young kids? Mm-hmm. And it just feels like the rock at a baseball game where terrorists have, are trying to blow up game three of the world series. I guess like the town, the, they use Fenway park in the town, but not in yep. this way. Uh, but you I think baseball fan. needs it. Right. The, the fan, you're right. Um, De Niro as the umpire, John Crook. Yeah. But that's like, it's dark. Like you don't, yeah, they're just using terrible. the giants, but, um, I think baseball needs it. And the other one I was thinking was, um, the lacrosse, the professional lacrosse league. <laughs> the Sweet Lax <laughs> terrorist attack. Some okay. Sweet Lax, they they like have bombs in the sticks or um because that's on ESPN now, so you get away with it. But they would like be they would welcome it. Yes. Um so anyway, one of those two. Uh you could also do a terrorist attack on the World Series of Poker. You could you could try you could try that. I yeah, but then I, we'd be rooting for the attackers. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I worked out in my head, Bill. I thought this might come up. If the, if we could go back to 95 and do this as an NFL game, like if we had really done it, oh, yeah. how would Van Dam have gotten on the field and played goalie? And here's what I came up with. I think he goes in the locker room and I think he comes out and the equivalent of making a shot and stopping a shot on goal, I think he's playing cornerback and he's on the field and they test him deep and he knocks the pass down and defends the pass. And I think you have a visored helmet. Then I started thinking, well, you know, Van Damme is, is a white guy. You can see his arms, it would stick out. 
1995, there was a Giants cornerback, Jason fucking Seahorn, and oh. he plays the role. He goes in for Seahorn. It's at Meadowlands, and that's Van Dam knocking the pass down as the Seahorn number 31 of the Giants. That's how you do it. That's really good. I would have said punter. Like maybe he takes Sean Landetta's spot. You put the visor helmet and yep. it, and he catches it and he kicks it, but he gets like the roll. It's like the mm -hmm. 25 footer, but it rolls 50 yards. And like, oh, great. Oh, he placed it, but he really was had no idea what he was and doing. And the movie is uh, Coffin Corner. Like, and that's, that's, because <laughs> you know what's annoying about the football version? You couldn't call it sudden death. You'd have to call it Jean Claude Van Damme is in. Each team is guaranteed one possession. <laughs> <laughs> I like coffin quarters. Great. Coffin quarters. Great. So it's perfect. It's dark. We might have to call Rollap after we, uh, after we finish the pod. Just I'm throw sure it at it'll him. be hey, down. Man, came up with this movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys need, need the boost from an action movie, but coffin corner, um, casting what ifs. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, Stallone and Bruce Willis all turned down the role. Yeah. Schwarzenegger was doing True Lies in Junior. Stallone didn't like the quality of the script. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, especially <laughs> he makes Daylight a year later. And then uh, Willis was doing Dire with the Vengeance. Yeah, I mean, come on. James Woods was supposed to be the Powers Booth part, but turned it down. Didn't okay. like the character and did uh, and did another movie. Uh, James Wood, it's a better movie. Like, There's no, something no there. question. I mean, yeah. this is right in the vicinity of Lester Diamond, dude. Like, he, James it's, Woods no, was coming. No, it's at this literally point. within a month. That could have been Jan the year of James. Woods. I don't mind it. And then uh, the announcers, the Penguins announcers, are the real announcers: Mike Lang oh, and cool. Paul Stegerwald. Uh -huh. And Mike Lang uses had scratched my back with a hacksaw and Carl Arnold Slick and Turtle Crick. Like those are actual things that he would say. Oh yeah. The um. It's hard to believe we're not giving the Ruffalo, Hannah, Rubinek, Partridge overacting word to Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. But the Penguins coach in this movie, who's, it's some of the worst <laughs> acting of any 80s, 90s action movie where he's yelling at the goalie and it's like, we're, we're just in a different movie every time he shows up. It's like an SNL sketch for any moment. He's just really horrible. Move out. This is why this is the greatest pod ever. I, I got I got the hockey coach for Dion Waiters. I fucking love him. <laughs> Van Dam comes over when he comes back with the goalie gear on. The coach is like, you're feeling better? Well, then get the fuck in there. Every time he says the same line, and he cracks me up. I loved him. I had him in for Dion Waiters' work right. as well. I had uh, him. I had the mascot maniac, and I had Luke Robitaille as himself. Um, but I think it's the mascot person. Yeah, I do too. The woman, yeah. whoever she is, gets her hand deep fried. Best that guy. You know, Sleepless in Seattle kids there. The vice president, Raymond J. Barry, he's definitely one of those guys. No I didn't even know what his name was. Um, and I think he's probably the winner, but I do want to shout out Mrs. Roper from Three's Company, Audra Lindley, as the old lady who gets killed <laughs> in the beginning. Is that who that is? Yeah, it's Mrs. Roper. Okay, shit. I, didn't even, I know Stanley. I didn't recognize her. But Bill, there's a great one here. And I, I'm watching the movie. I haven't watched it in years. And I'm like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? All right. The Secret Service agent who is in the suite, who is the last to be killed, the normal yeah. kind of face guy, that guy is in Shawshank. He's the, the guy who comes to Andy that says, I'm looking up to set a trust fund for my kid's education. And he's one of the oh guards. Oh, my God. That's, that's a great him. one. Remember when that's Byron Hadley's like, Dufresne, that's him. And he walks over and sits down. And 
That same actor is Truman's father in the Truman Show. He has a scene with Jim Carrey as his dad. Like this guy wow. had some parts and he's the Secret Service and he gets shot in the head. And he wins because you didn't even tell us what his name was. I don't know his name. That is. guy from Shawshank. Yeah, I mean, yeah he he's the guy name. from Shawshank. Wants to set up a fund for his kids. Recasting couch. Yeah. Who do you have for Powers Booth? I have a good uh, one. I feel really good about. I have a good one that I think you would feel really good about. I'll toss you mine. How yeah. about our guy and your guy? What about Jimmy Khan? What about what about James Khan in the role of of Powers Booth? So I would be into it if it was 10 years earlier, but we've moved into the program. I've had some long nights at the Playboy Mansion stage of the James Conn IMDb. And I he don't does, know. He does I a think racer, he's like a shell of himself. Right? Okay. Yeah, I think he's like a shell of himself. Okay. What I, do you got? I went as much as I love James Conn. We, he just won the award last week. We had him uh, when we did Alien about the- That's what made me think what was of that? It. The Tom Skerritt role. Yeah. Can I throw Kelsey Grammer at you? For the villain, yeah, you can you can try to throw Fraser. Go ahead. This would be a big turn. Has he ever done that? Not really. And I feel like he would have been a great villain in one of these because it's like just think of him saying all these powers booth lines <laughs> and just being like fucking evil Fraser. <laughs> I think can that would have been amazing. Can I throw George Went back at you for the, for the role of the villain? Evil Norm. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like the concept of sitcom characters going evil. It was great. Absolutely. And listen, this is 95. This is right when Woody is doing Natural Born Killers. So they're all fucking doing it. We got to get Rhea yeah. Perlman in here somehow. The role that I think needs to be recast the most is the Hallmark role. Uh, I just, that guy doesn't yeah, do it for me. Um, he didn't go Dorian on to be Harwood, famous. Harwood. Yeah. Um, let me toss you a Hallmark. I, I feel yeah. good about this. This is a spicy one. In the role of the Hallmark Secret Service agent who goes bad, what do you think about Tupac? Interesting. I, I'd have to buy him, buy Tupac as an FBI agent. It's tough. I guess that that would have been a leap in 1995. He's coming off of Above the Rim. It'd be cool. I had so in Better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hunt, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, yeah. JT Walsher, Philip Baker Hall. And we don't have Chris to do Wayne Jenkins. <laughs> I think Sam Jackson as Hallmark would have been great. Um, and he's, yeah. this is when Sam Jackson's making like five movies a year. So I think he would have done it. Like he's in, he's in Kiss of Death with Caruso. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's a better movie with Sam Jackson. The line is literally, we lost the motherfucking vice president. Like it's, it's <laughs> written for him. That's yeah. perfect. Half internet research. Karen Baldwin was the spouse of the Penguins owner. She's okay, one yeah. of the producers. She had an idea about the retractable roof in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, which she thought would make for a great action film. And uh, the rest was history. So Harold, Howard Baldwin, who eventually bankrupted the Penguins. Yep. And that was how Lemieux ended up with them because he, he just could not uh, have a functional franchise. But he made, he had this uh, movie company and they also made Mystery Alaska and they made Mr. Hockey, the Gordie Howe story. Mm -hmm. And they made a movie called Odd Man Rush. Mm, don't know. Plus it. Sudden Death. So there you go. Luke Robitaille had attended acting classes with Karen Baldwin really? while playing for the Kings. And they ended up signing him during that lockout season. Okay. Uh, I, this Karen Baldwin sounds like a 30 for 30 possibility. Yeah. I don't know made, what's going like, on with this. her. That's great. Penguin's owner who tries to become basically like Megan Ellison. Um, <laughs> 
So they were going to do the October 1st NHL season opener between the Penguins and Chicago Blackhawks for this movie. And then the lockout happened. They end up doing an exhibition game between the Penguins and the Lumberjacks, this IHL team. He didn't like how intense it was. They do an ECHL game with Johnstown and Wheeling. Okay. And then, uh, and then finally end up with where they ended up with people wearing their jerseys who weren't the actual players, except right. for a couple cases. Um, they also had about 2,000 fans there as extras. And then cardboard cutouts all over the stadium, which were pretty realistic. I looked for them and it really, so maybe that's how Van Damme jumped down section one. Yeah. It might've been just cardboard cutouts. And there's no one had any camera phones, so there's no pictures. All the fans now would have phones. We get to see all that yeah. stuff. And, you know, it'd be oh, yeah. fun now. Nothing. What do you think the body count was for this movie? It's a lot. I'm going to say 30. Yeah, 36. 36? Yeah. Apex Mountain. It's a hard no for Paris Booth. <laughs> <laughs> nah. What do you have? What is this Apex for Powers? Because, I, I mean, I think of him in Tombstone. That's right around there. But I, I don't know. I don't know his, his earlier stuff as well. I think he was in Deadwood. Mm, okay. I don't know. He was in a Vietnam movie. I don't, I don't, he's one of those, I think Powers Booth where it's probably like 90% name. Mm -hmm. Great name. Just Jesus. a great name. It's like, oh, we got Powers Booth. Oh, it sounds awesome. But he just wasn't a great actor. Instead of Darren McCord, they should have called him Powers Booth. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Would have been better. Van Damme, Apex Mountain, probably Bloodsport. Um, I think that opens up the whole career and he makes 11 movies in six years kind of because of Bloodsport because that was such a phenomenon. It set it off. I, I think um, in about 92, he did Universal Soldier, which was a big hit. Roland Emmerich directs on his way to Independence Day and it was about kind of robotic type killers right after T2. It was fucking big and he fought Ivan Drago in it. He was hitting in the early 90s. I think Bloodsport opened that's the pretty doors good. and that's really good. So but that it leads wasn't to this. double team. When you mm -hmm. get to play twins, maybe that's your apex mountain. So maybe it's Universal Soldier leading into Double Team. All he was missing was a body switch movie. He did the twins. He did everything else. He needed a body switch comedy with some kid. It would have happened. He couldn't stay off the fucking I nose sauce. So much cocaine. Apex Mountain for the Penguins, no. Ross Ballinger, the little shit kid in this movie, yeah, no, because like he him. was really good in Sleepless in Seattle. Dorian Harewood, no. Um... Is this Apex Mountain for hockey? No. Miracle. As a movie. Arena in Danger. Yeah, hockey movies, no. Arena in Danger movies? Probably not. Um, Die Hard ripoff movies, no. Mm -mm. That's it. That's all I got. What's your best racehorse name? Shit. I, I, um, I didn't really have one. I mean, Sudden Death sounds fine, I guess. Um, do you got a good one? Is there a good one that you found? What about a horse named Evil Mascot? It's good. It's good. Evil Mascots always work. If you saw that in the program, you'd go and bet on Evil Mascot. For sure. An Evil Mascot coming down the stretch. I thought that was a good one. Picking nits. Yeah. Why is being a fire engineer in Pittsburgh's main hockey arena such an unrespected job? Seems awesome. Seems like a decent job. Yeah, they Why know they him make at the it stadium? seem like he's a fucking jackass? I, I didn't get that. This game goes into overtime. He's going to blow everything up if the game just ends four to three. Goes into overtime and it delays the explosions. I don't remember overtime being on, on the card as he was explaining his 13 frozen bank account, his whole scheme. 
he, there was never the part, but if we go in overtime, that will buy you another, whatever, never says that. So I, I didn't really understand that one. Here's another thing of picking nits. Yeah, go on. They never say the fucking guy's name. The villain. In the IMDb, he's listed as Joshua Foss. That's never said. Never said. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Maybe they thought that's such a stupid name. They said it once. You got to take that out. Just give that. Don't have Terrible that names in this movie between McCord and Foss. Just awful. Joshua Foss. Yeah. Why doesn't McCord's son care after about the 20-minute mark that his sister never came back to her seat? Is this just the worst person on the earth? It's terrible. The, the chair that he's not going to get out of when he's older is the psychiatrist chair. That kid's going to be so <laughs> fucked up. He's never going to leave that chair. Sorry, kid. The, the session's up. Well, I'm not going to leave. Well, I have another patient, so I'm not leaving. Uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Hallmark didn't just kill McCord, but that's, you know, that's that happens you did three back times. In the day. You got to talk to him first. Got to talk first. All right. Some hockey stuff. Um, nobody recognizes Van Damme. <laughs> Let's go. And not Tolliver. Tolliver changes he looks different yep. his face is different none of his teammates notice no idea no even afterwards after he makes the save they don't notice and they're patting him on the shoulder it's it's rough what ultimately happens to the old goalie like just dies dies on the, on the stretcher where's the, there's no medic there's no doctor nothing that guy does he just die i think he's he <laughs> i don't know i don't know if he ever plays in pittsburgh again though after checking himself out of game seven and having to leave and a <laughs> fucking fire marshal plays goalie better than he does <laughs> yeah they have to trade him uh we mentioned the dressing and undressing as a hockey goalie just yep. it's just gonna Tough. take longer than two minutes that's been my experience why does powers booth grab the little girl at the end what's the upside other than to make the movie a little more fun like just get out of there like you're you you got the money get that you got your disguise on why are you like bringing trouble your way stupid and it's that in these movies it's always a little insurance policy they always <laughs> right, say that right, right. <laughs> and then uh the little girl hanging rough and then pulling herself back up my daughter was fucking amazingly strong at that age. And it's like, you know, queen of the jungle, jungle, jungle yeah. bars, whatever those are called, the playground and could Monkey swing. Bars, yeah. And, yeah. Um, no chance you hang on for that long with an arena. And if you fall to your death, you would get scared. You'd panic. You're she's fucking six. Stupid. My daughter is six. It, she, she can't even hold up a cup of milk to get through a decent lunch. <laughs> right, she's not holding true. herself up from the grate. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have for picking nits? Remember what I said about they take everything in this movie and turn it up to a thousand? Let's not yeah. forget that when he makes the glove save in the game seven of Stanley Cup, he's also concussed at the time. <laughs> he takes a huge hit, his head oh, hits right. the ice, he doesn't know where he is, and he still makes the save. And then there's a terrible what's aged the worst line by the commentator who's like, he's concussed so hard, his kids are going to feel it. And I was like, ah, Jesus. <laughs> and then this world, you can't say that. But Everything about the save. This the only shock about the hockey sequence is that they didn't have Van Dam decide to go and score a goal too. Why not? Just go ahead and go uh, the upper net and bank it. Just get it in to go with the finish the the joke and he didn't. It's amazing. Like an empty netter where the, yeah. the other goalie sure. left the thing for some reason and Van Dam just flips it. Sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all blackcast are untouchable. So they did make a sequel, which I didn't know about. It's called yeah. Welcome to Sudden Death. It stars Michael Jai White. Gary Owen, and it's supposedly more of like a spoof. It was released in 2020 during uh, month seven of the pandemic. Mm, uh, you're not going to believe this, one. but negative reviews for this. Oh, really? Movie. Yeah. <laughs> negative. I was reviews. watching Didn't Tiger go, King. Sorry, guys. Didn't go great. 
Um, just one Oscar. Who gets it? The stuntmen? Some good stunts in this movie. I don't, mm. Nobody else is winning an Oscar. And the Oscar goes to Luke Robitaille for sudden <laughs> death. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank everyone, uh, the filmmakers, on Claude, my mother, God. Yeah, not a lot of Oscars. Certainly Thanks not to powers. Howard Baldwin's wife. <laughs> Probably unanswerable questions. Does Chicago protest the game because Pittsburgh used an illegal player? I know it's a tie when the game gets stopped, but yes. um, Van Dam's not on the roster. Like, I just feel like that's a forfeit. They lose. This this is an illegal player who makes a key play in the game. It's completely illegal. And I, I want to see this wash out the next day for sure. Yes, they do. Yes. Or is it a rescheduling? And you where do we to... do they play the whole game or do they just start? It's like four, four, we're going to OT, Stanley Cup on the line three days later. You know, this is so dark, but like it, it, it makes me think of like when, when the Bills and Bengals were playing and the DeMar Hamlin thing happened, people were having real conversations about that, about would they pick the game up and start it with the same down a distance a week later? And it's like, no, right. we're just canceling it. But this is the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7. You have to resolve it. I, I think they pick it up maybe at that point when the player came in. I thought about this too, I, though. I think they reboot the whole game. Mm -hmm. And can you? And how long would it take to play it in Pittsburgh? Like they take a couple weeks to fix the arena after a helicopter the terrorist crash, yeah. attack, helicopter crash, and the ice. <laughs> got to clean that up. The Zamboni's got to really work overtime. No, you got to go to Joe Lewis Stadium. You're doing a neutral site in Detroit. You, that's where you do it. Brad Tolliver dying. Um, I think is in play for probably unanswerable questions. I think he just dies in the. Uh, and if he doesn't die, the one he gets killed by a Pittsburgh fan like a week later. Like, you mm -hmm. fucking pussy. Four <laughs> fever. It's game seven, you motherfucker. Um, I, the, what's, what's Van Dam? I, I guess we have a different category for this. Hold on. I'll okay. hold that thought. Okay. Do you have any more unanswerable questions or no? What what's the sports media reaction the next day about this fire marshal who comes in and plays goalie and makes an incredible save? And I'm not even joking. The penguins are like we should give you a tryout. Like you seem really incredible and you did it concussed and we see, understand you yeah. have some semi-pro experience in Canada. Does he all of a sudden have a hockey future? Is he this like massive celebrity now who's on all the shows and Barry Melrose is saying he's great between the pipes. And like, I, I feel like there's a thing that happens the next day. Or let me flip it around. Go on. Does, does anybody even find out he played goal? Does it become like a, cons like early internet conspiracy corner of. Holy shit. There's like four minutes there, and I swear that wasn't Tolliver. It was the guy who saved everything, but they can't. Nobody can get a good angle, and then there's like a freeze frame shot of him, and yeah, and, and, and Tolliver's out of his mind. Never so he doesn't remember, and he's yeah. like, I, "Why are all your pads <laughs> off? I don't remember." God, that's so interesting. He's gone like Kaiser yeah. Soze. No one knows. <laughs> yeah, because it just never comes out. Yeah, that this is like the tail end of the Sports Illustrated kind of mattering as a magazine era, maybe like three days later, the real story of what happened in game seven. And that's when it's revealed that he played goalie. Mm, I'm in. That's good. Hi, sports centers like in that's, this is the Dan and Keith era. So Massive. I feel like they would have covered it probably. Oh, too. Yeah. We don't have PTI yet. Best double feature choice with this movie. Would you go black Sunday? Would you go blood sport? Just do the beginning and end of the Van Dam era. Uh, you could you could bookend it. I, I'm going to go head to head, 95 to 95. I'm going um, I'm going sudden death, and then I'm going under siege to dark territory that you mentioned with Steve Seagal, and we'll see who's yeah. still throwing a bigger fastball. Under siege to dark territory with uh, a young Catherine Heigl, who I don't remember yeah. who she plays. Hopefully his daughter, but knowing Steve, probably his wife. 
Yeah, so we, either way, they had sexual tension, whatever yeah, her role was. Yeah, and Steve just was forcing it, and he was, we know Steve. That's He's got an M.O. Under Siege 2 had this weird thing where it was on cable way more than Under a Siege lot. 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and Under Siege 1, I don't know if there was like a dispute over who on the rights or whatever, but it was very mm. strange. All right, the Indian Red Zwan A award would happen the next day. Uh, we talked about all the possibilities and um, the new game, and I, I guess my real question is, Ultimately, are Darren McCord's stats on Hockey Reference or not? Because he does come in and make a save. Does he get a page on Hockey Reference? Like, what? How does that work? Does he get part of the win? Does he get to share the win? You know, the goalies can share the wins. Is he in there now? Listen, recently Conor McGregor fought Habib, and some hooligan jumped in the cage and punched Conor McGregor. His stat and that punch doesn't go in the UFC pro pro Very MMA fair. reference. It doesn't go. It doesn't happen. No, I'm sorry. What does Darren McCord's next couple months look like? A couple talk shows for him? I think he's a national treasure. I think he is Circuit? the face of Pittsburgh. I think Regis he's and going, Kathy Lee, Letterman. Oh, yeah. All that. He goes national. He's SNL doing, cameo. SNL cameo for sure. He's doing Oprah. And most importantly, yeah. like he goes back and brings the kids back and he just fucks his ex-wife and his husband. Her husband is out and the family's yeah, back. And we got a happy he's ending. That she just loves it. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? I got, I mean, I mean I'm taking, I'm taking Iceberg, the mascot suit, and I would wear it to parties and it'd be so fucking funny. And we'd pretend <laughs> to fight people and people would punch me in the beak and it wouldn't bother me. I'm taking the whole ass suit. When he punches That's that thing great. in the beak, I laugh so hard every time. <laughs> That's a great one. I had the game worn Brad Tolliver number 35 Penguins jersey. Oh, it's good. It's really Pretty strong. Good. Game, the game worn, both goalies wore it, Tolliver and Van Dam. The Coach Finstock Award for Best Life Lesson. If your kids think you're an unemployed loser, the best thing you can do is foil a terrorist attack in front of them. Hell and yes. you'll win them back. That's what I learned. Uh, I learned it completely. And uh, they went from being a light bulb screw winner to that's my dad. And I have to point out, Bill, in that at the end of this movie, we, we did when we did Cliffhanger, from the time the helicopter exploded to the time they rolled the credits, it was 84 seconds. In this, oh, this movie, is faster. it's 52 seconds. Powers Booth explodes, <laughs> and the credits are in 52 fucking seconds. They get them out of here, get them in the cars, get them home. <laughs> I thought for sure they would have the drop, like the the taken last taken scene where they go to see the yeah, singer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the shoehorn in where he takes the kids to school the next day, or he nope. sees the ex-wife. We're out. We're done. <laughs> the, the helicopter's still like shooting fire. Wrap in the air. it. Wrap it up. <laughs> Get us out of here. It was a 52 seconds. That's It's, it's got to be a record. It's it's good. It's a good one to keep track of. Director Peter Hyams was like, I've got another movie starting in two weeks. I got I don't have time to film that follow-up. Beat it. Out. Uh, who won the movie? Van Damme. Jean-Claude fucking Van Damme and the narcotic cocaine. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. It's time for I Can't Wait. Producer Craig. Oh, yeah. Uh, Craig, what do you got? Who did knew nothing about this movie. Um, and watched it last night. I've not talked to him. So what'd you think, Craig? I just want to say that I always know that whenever Brant is involved, I'm like, all right. Whenever Bill's like, I'm doing a pod with Brant, I'm like, we're going to get into some shit. <laughs> um, I, I, I enjoy these movies so much. And I think, I don't know, they don't make them anymore, obviously, because the 90s were just such a weird specific time. This is just replaced with reality TV now. Just yeah. like stuff you can put on and just enjoy and turn your brain off. And I just really want, Maybe this already exists, but I, there needs to be a free channel dedicated strictly to super cheesy 90s action movies because I've been radicalized by all this content. This, uh, I'm so happy. 
I was drunkenly the other, like the other week, me and my friends drunkenly stumbled onto Baywatch and we right. watched like eight episodes of Baywatch. I think it was on Tubi or one of those free sure. fast services. And we started to look into it. And we're like, it had a billion people watching every week. And we're like, God, everything that went on in the 90s is just this perfect time capsule of like a, a, like a total lack of awareness. I know. But also it ages kind of great. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe I need to start a TikTok channel where I just like post clips of shit like this because people need to know. It's a great time. So out of all of these movies that we've done so far, it kind of the, the Kyle corner, I guess yeah. we call it. Yeah, um, sure. Which one do you think worked the best for you? Still cliffhanger? Does cliffhanger count? Yeah, yeah cliffhanger, cliffhanger counts. Cliffhanger is legitimately good. Yeah. Cliffhanger is a good movie, a very entertaining movie. You know what's funny? I Sometimes I'll be in public a lot and they'll be, oh, are you Kyle? And I'm like, yeah, how you doing? And they go, I love you on, and I'm like, what are they going to say? NFL Network, CBS, any of the many things I do, they're like, fucking love you on the rewatchables, man. I just love it. And I'm like, all right, so all the heart and soul I'm pouring into talking about the Cowboys and the Eagles, and you care what I give us, what I say about fucking Cobra? And they're like, yeah, man, that Cobra episode killed. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for listening. It happens all the time. People love it. You're spending entire days filming those things for the CBS morning yep. show where you have all to day. remember like three minutes of lines. And they're like, fucking Cobra, man. That point Dude, you made about the Dude, when you pizza. guys were talking about Commando and he throws that <laughs> asshole off the cliff, I was laughing my ass off. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for listening. <laughs> like, I was just nominated for a sports Emmy. They're like, oh, yeah, man, I fucking matter. love Cobra. I mean, no disrespect to Jean. Jean-Claude. Was he, was he actually famous? What was his level of celebrity? High. Yeah. He w it was at least as high as Seagal. Yeah, he was. I think he's in a Friends episode. Like he would show up in in, in cameos as himself. Like he was oh, very famous. That's a good point. The Friends episode during like yeah. the peak of like Friends had the highest audience ever, and he had like a pretty pivotal Friends episode. So is he like a? I mean, he's not like a Chris Hemsworth, obviously now, right? Like who is he? Is he a Jason Statham? <sighs> Bigger, more famous than Statham. Bigger. I think yeah, he, the I closest think he is comp too. is is think about like ten years ago, Vin Diesel who was like a huge deal and a movie oh. star, maybe even 15 years ago. What You got anything better, Bill? Yeah, it's like Fast 4, Fast 5 era Vin Diesel. I think yeah. Vin Diesel is probably bigger than him now. Because you have to mix in the fact that you know he's not the best actor. You kind of That's a part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, of course. He's good in this movie, though. And he would show up everywhere. Every red carpet, he would do a kick, like up to the ceiling. It was his signature move. It'd be like the guy doing the Carlton dance. He would do the kick, and it was awesome. And like pretty, this was the talk show era too. And he was like a pretty legendarily roller coaster ride of a talk show guest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He would come out like super douchey and the, the, it never clicked with any host. And it was always <laughs> funny. It's telling he never hosted SNL. And I think because of maybe reputationally right. after Seagal, they oh, were yeah. like, we're not going we're down out. that road again. <laughs> that shit. Um, yeah, it's weird though. There aren't people like this anymore. We we always talk about that, but that the, the, Van Damme's Seagal types are just, they're kind of gone. And yeah. I don't know whether we have too many action movies or not enough, but there's been people like Frank Grillo tried to get in there for mm -hmm. a split second and people yeah, like sure. that. And then none of them brought in the ironic kind of non-self-aware thing. It just wasn't mm -hmm. there, unfortunately. Mm -mm. Anyway, mm -mm. Uh, mm -mm. Kyle Brandt, give us some plugs. Uh, I, I appear uh, on the uh, Rewatchables podcast talking about Cobra and Commando and Predator, and you guys love me for it. No, you know, I'm not fucking plugging myself. Kyle Brandt's Basin is my podcast. I do it every day. It's really fun. I love the Rewatchables, though. All right. It was great to you see you. Great to um, see you, too. Produced by Craig Horlbeck, as always, and we will see you next week on the Rewatchables. See ya. See ya.